I'm so excited because this week I get to just talk about the posture of your heart, of our heart, before the Lord. And we've been in a series on disruption. Um, If it is your first time here, I am not normally the one giving a message, just so you know. But we're so glad that you're here with us tonight. Um, We have been a series on disruption. We've talked about how some disruptions come from the Lord, some disruptions come from the enemy, and some are just because we're in a fallen world, right? It's things that we can't control. And the beautiful thing is that even in the midst of those, we know that God is in control. And so um, I just really believe, I felt all day really strongly, like the one thing that the Lord wants to do tonight is he just really wants to fortify and strengthen you. And so just invite him, even in this moment, just to come in and invade. And maybe it's a way of thinking that he doesn't want you to think that way anymore. Or maybe there is just like a little nugget of scripture or something that he wants you to meditate over. But he's going to give you ways that you're going to leave and you're going to say, wow, I'm stronger than when I came in. Amen? So let's just ask the Lord, Jesus, we invite you right now to settle in. Would you fill every space, God? Every space of our hearts, of our minds. We give you our attention right now, Lord, and we just ask you to come speak tonight. We thank you that you are the God who is in control. In every situation, in the midst of every season, you are in control. And we love you. We invite you to speak tonight, Jesus. All right, so my first thought, because I've been thinking this the last however many weeks that we've been in this series, is simply this. I think sometimes we spend so much time focusing on the fact that we have disruption in life that we miss the fact that God actually disrupts our disruption. He's so good. There's a level of protection and of intervention that we actually will never even be able to know and comprehend until we're in heaven, right? And we see all of these things that could have happened, but he says, no, I have your back. I am fighting for you. And I love that. So what I'm just going to talk about tonight is simply five ways that we can posture our heart in disruption and that we can posture our heart for disruption. And you're probably thinking like, I don't want to invite any of that, so I'm not going to posture for it, but I will posture in it. Well, my first point is this. We start. In the midst of disruption, for disruption to come, we start. And you're like, Janelle, what are you talking about? I'm about to rock your world with this truth really quick. It rocked my world. Salvation alone, when you ask Jesus into your heart, salvation is inviting disruption into your life. Why? Because it says what once was dead is now alive. What once was broken is now healed. It's saying, God, would heaven come to earth, heaven disrupting earth through salvation. And so we we spend so much time in our lives just fighting When he's just saying, you actually invited this. God is a God who's in the midst of disruption and he wants to come in and he wants to invade every part of our lives and walk through it with us. His purpose in the midst of any disruption that we face is to diminish any distance that lies between us. Any distance between you and God, he wants to diminish by disruption in your life. He wants to increase dependency on him. And a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you were here, but we had some questions and conversation happening in the room. 
And during that time, um, during worship, I had prayed a prayer of God increase our dependency on you without even realizing. <laughs> and some people in the room were like, oh, yikes. Like, we have insurance. We don't need that. Like, that's good. I'm good. But here's the thing. God wants through every situation to increase our dependency on him. Why? Because it's his strength and not ours. We become more like him. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A living sacrifice. He sent his son as a sacrifice so that we could have the promise of eternal salvation, eternal life with him. And he simply asks us, are you willing to be a living sacrifice for me? Even in the midst of disruption, even when you don't understand, are we willing to decide that God is more important than our convenience, than our comfort? Are we willing to pray bold prayers like God would you disrupt my life and invade the status quo? I don't know about you. I don't want the status quo. I want my life to be overflowing with the abundant life of Jesus. That is not what the world looks like. That's not what success maybe even looks like. But who defines that? He does. That a life of worship lived before him. Oh my goodness, can you imagine? That is the ultimate success that any single one of us could possibly have. I just, right now, specifically, I feel like the Lord is saying that he wants to disrupt broken patterns in this room. And so if that's you right now, he wants to meet you where you're at. You don't have to stay in that cycle. You're not bound or confined to that place because he's that faithful and he's that good. So what do we do? We start. We receive salvation and we invite a life of disruption, right? The second thing that I have is we stoop. It's a weird word, stoop. <laughs> I'm gonna read from John eight. This is the woman who was caught in adultery. So I'm gonna start a little bit before what we have on the screens here, but basically this woman, is brought in by the Pharisees to Jesus. Verse three says, the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman who was caught in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. That verse caught my attention when I was studying, and I hope it's okay. Tonight, these points that I have for you, I'm pulling from all throughout scripture. I think that it's really beautiful that we don't just have one singular passage of disruption and of an example of how to set our hearts in the midst of that. We get to pull from all of these different places, right? He's giving us so many different things that maybe you'll relate to one and you won't relate to the other. So. It's gonna be kind of like mini story times, but these are things that have just really spoken to me in my journey of how I wanna posture my heart with the Lord in the middle of this. 
Okay, so that word stooped, he stooped down. That caught my attention, and I did some study and looking into it, and it's really simple. But what did he do? He set himself up, and we don't actually know how long, right? So we read this and we assume he probably, okay, stooped down, took care of what he needed to, stood up. When I did research, we don't actually have any idea how much time elapsed that he was on the ground. But what we do know is he was so intentional because right then and there, they come to accuse him. The enemy comes to accuse, and he goes down, and he says, I'm going to align myself with my father. We know all throughout scripture that he wanted to hear the voice of the father and do as the father said. So he stopped right there, goes down low to hear from the Lord first and foremost. I'm speaking to myself when I say this, but it's a lot easier for our first resort to be to call a friend or a significant other or a parent, right? And try to get some wisdom on a situation or even just vent about it. But right here, we see an example from Jesus. In the midst of accusation, he stooped right away. In alignment with the Father, I want to hear from you first and foremost. And the other thing that that did, because he went onto the ground, it says that they were screaming at him. They just kept asking him questions. In some translations of the Bible, it says pestering. They were pestering him. So he goes where he's no longer in that line of their voices so that he can more keenly hear the voice of the Father. Okay? What do we get to do then? We take from this. It's actually really beautiful because we can ignore the pestering of the enemy. We can ignore it. Jesus gave us a tool right there and then, and I don't care what you want to apply this to, but he drew a line in the sand where he says, I'm going to elevate the voice of my father above the voice of my enemy. Whoever your enemy is, God's voice can be elevated above it if you stoop. Are you willing to go low? Are you willing to take that time to center yourself in the here and now, right when something happens? We can't delay, and here's why. The longer that we delay, the more that we give the voice of the enemy, whoever that is, whatever that is, trials and tribulations, to pester us, to get into our thought processes, to cause doubt, to cause fear, to cause questioning, but there is certainty if we stoop. I read this quote that I really liked that related to this. This woman is a pastor, and she just said, in being disrupted, we also become a disruption. In the example of the one that we follow, our King Jesus, we drive out oppression with justice. We overturn violence with peace. We interrupt despair with hope, death with life, hatred with love. When we allow ourselves to be disrupted by God, the world will be disrupted as well in the ways that it needs most. That's exactly what Jesus did in John 8. All oppression, all injustice in that moment, what did he do? He drew a line in the sand, right? We get to be a part of that. So maybe, not even maybe, I can guarantee you actually, your disruptions affect and impact more than just you. Why? Because there is a world out there who is in need of people who are willing to go low and to draw a line in the sand and say his voice is more important. 
My ways will go against that of everyone around me. All of the Pharisees and scribes, there were crowds of people there saying, we should stone her. But Jesus came in love, mercy, everything that goes against what would have been natural in that moment. And he invites us into that. Your disruption is for more and impacts more than just you. The third thing that I have is we sing. And 2 Chronicles 20, I'm just going to tell you now because I can't even begin to go into the depth that is in this entire chapter, but please go home and read it because there are so many tools hidden. I'm going to read a couple of them to you. I'm just going to skim really quickly. But basically, Jehoshaphat, raise your hand if you're glad that your name is not Jehoshaphat. I was telling them in the office this week, like, people misspell my name, and my name has a G, constantly. And I cannot imagine if my name was Jehoshaphat. It would be just a nightmare. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, parents, wherever you are. I know you're in this room. God bless you. Um, But Jehoshaphat, so he, it was the Moabites and the Ammonites that were coming in ambush. And they outnumbered, obviously, and Jehoshaphat was like, oh no. So scripture tells us in Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat feared, so he set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast. Again, I'm just kind of skimming through some scripture quickly before we get there. Um, he declared this, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, disruption, right? We will stand before the presence of God, for his name is great. We will cry out to him in our affliction. He will hear and save us. He stood in confidence. He set his heart to seek the Lord. Why? Because he had fear. Immediately, response, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to fast. I'm going to declare and stand in confidence. It continues to say, which this is amazing because we get into situations where we know this is true of us, Um, we have no power against what is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But again, he immediately responds, but our eyes are upon you, Lord. It's a quick response that we see all throughout scripture that we have a choice to enter into this. It's like a rhythm, right? Something comes against us, we lean in. We're dependent upon the one who's in control. If you go a little bit further down, it says, do not be afraid nor dismayed because the battle is not yours, it's God's. He is in control. So again, I just encourage you, read through that entire chapter of scripture and there are so many tools in there. But why did I say sing? It's really interesting. So they know that this battle is going to happen and what does God tell them to do? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send the singers out. Cool. You, you guys can just like praise a little bit. Great. That's their warfare strategy. That may not feel natural, but we decide to praise before our victory comes. So verse 20. In the morning they got up early and they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. 
As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. He consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment that they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. That is a proclamation that we have before we see a victory. And we know in saying that victory is ours. Why? We hear a lot in many different ways and we see it all around us that our enemy is lying in wait to destroy us. But if you are a person of faith, that's actually backwards because the Lord is lying in wait to destroy your enemy. That's what this scripture says. He's lying in wait to destroy your enemy. Before you know what it is, whether that's a simple song, a shout, a praise, right? We get to be people who stand in faith because God says, this battle is mine and I'll take care of it. And as many people say, I would hate to ruin the story and the end of the book for you, but victory is his, right? Which means victory is ours. That's good news. My fourth point is simply this, stay. Stay in the middle of your disruption. I'm gonna give some context for this. So in Mark 5, there is a demon-possessed man. We read about him, we know that he's been possessed for many, many years. And people that live where he is are completely afraid of him. They don't know, nobody's been able to control him. Nobody has been able to do anything to even hide it away because when they try to hide it away, it becomes even more amplified, his issues. He has no friends, no family. So this man, it talks about how basically he is just dressed in rags He's living in caves and he is screaming and shrieking all day and night and he's cutting himself with stones and nobody knows what to do, okay? Jesus comes on the scene and I find it really interesting because immediately the man goes to Jesus, obviously recognizes who he is, goes to Jesus and what ends up happening is of course, Jesus wants to set him free. So, speaks to the demons inside of him. When we read this scripture, it talks about how the demons themselves, when Jesus speaks to this man, ask if they can be cast into a herd of swine. So, a little bit of context. A herd in that time frame, where they were, shepherding and all of this, pastures, blah, blah, blah. 2,000. Sheep, okay? I'm sorry, pigs, not sheep. <laughs> I swear I listened to Old MacDonald when I was growing up. Um, 
Okay, so, 2,000 pigs. But when Jesus speaks to the demons and says, what is your name? They reply, legion, for we are many. Now, when I read that and I think many, I'm thinking like, well, one is a lot, but three would be more than one. N is many, too many to deal with. Maybe 10, right? Um, Legion at that time, the Roman forces, 6,000. One man, we don't know how many exactly, but just bringing all of that together, herd of swine, 6,000 in a legion, at least, you know, somewhere in there, and they asked to be cast into these pigs. Okay? So that's a lot of demons. I would say that this man's life has been incredibly disrupted, and again, it didn't only disrupt his life, but everybody that was in community or anywhere near, so disrupted, so many people that only Jesus could set free in this moment. Little side note, just because I really loved it. Charles Spurgeon said, Satan would rather vex swine than do no mischief at all. He is so fond of evil that he would work it upon animals if he cannot work it upon men. Amazing, though, because we can read that and we realize what a sick and twisted enemy. And even when we read this story, God is way more powerful. This man is set free. Right? He works his purpose and his will for this man's good, and he will do the same exact thing for you. So why do I say stay? We get to the end of this chapter, Mark 5, verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said no. I think so many times we have that mentality of like, of course, I'm going to give everything and I'm going to follow him. And that's, this man had the best intentions. He's like, I've been freed. I just want to go with you. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to love you. But he asked to go with him and Jesus said, no. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. It is completely understandable in the midst of whatever it is that you are dealing with. God understands that you would want an escape He understands embarrassment. He understands shame. He does not condemn anything. But even to this man, think about this. These people know him as one thing. Scripture goes on to tell us that they see him and they don't even recognize him because now he's fully clothed. He's in his right mind. So now there's a new kind of fear associated, right? Because they at least knew what they were fearing before. Now there's a new kind of fear because they're like, what happened? The beautiful thing in this, though, is he doesn't have to go out and defend the power of God to anybody. He is simply a display of the power of God. 
And if you are willing to stay, and if you are willing to walk it out, you will be a display of the power of God. You do not have to defend it. There are so many people who need to know that they can be set free. The list goes on and on and on and on and on for any number of things that can be burdening someone, that can be overwhelming them. But are you willing to stay and display the power of God? I think it's really easy, and again, I speak from experience, to want to be removed from a circumstance. And everyone who's taught so far in this series has talked about how you have to be led by the Spirit. In the middle of destruction, you have to be led by the Spirit. Obviously, I pray that you know when we share anything, nothing is black and white law as far as you will always stay. There might be a time, actually, where the Lord will deliver you and take you from something. But are you willing to stay? Are you willing to proclaim his glory? Are you willing to praise him before your victory? Are you willing to say, God, I give up my comfort and I give up everything that even I think that I want because I recognize that my relationship with you, my intimacy with you, my dependency on you is more important in the here and now than whatever that specific thing is that maybe you thought your outcome should be. Are we willing to lay those things down? But we have to be led by the Spirit. So please hear that. We so need to hear his voice. We need to stoop. We need to take time to just listen and even familiarize ourselves with the voice of the Father. The last point that I have is stabilize. What do we do to get through dysfunction, disruption, anything that's happening? We stabilize. We center ourselves in Jesus. We invite the Holy Spirit. We can stand on Scripture. Again, so many of these things are very practical. But when we're in the moment, are we going to choose to walk it out, to use the tools that he's given us. I think I say this maybe every time I teach. He's given us an incredible tool. This book is so important. Something as simple as Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. If you are tired, you are weary, you are worn down, you feel battered, and you can simply say, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary and increases power to the weak. It's just simple things. We're stabilizing ourselves because we're standing on truth. We're saying, I'm not going to be shaken by anything else, but I'm going to stand in the truth of the word. I would just challenge you tonight. God wants you to pray that he would even give you an opportunity to have an increased dependency on him. God, would you increase my dependency? 
would you give me the ability to call upon your nearness? God hides himself in our situations so that he can reveal himself through them. That means we have to walk it out. Acts 20, 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So I'm just gonna ask you if you would take a moment right now, if you wanna close your eyes. I think that the Lord wants to help you identify where your priorities lie tonight. To identify those things because if he is not your priority, and like the scripture says, that finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, if that's not our priority, he just wants to do some recentering. And again, that's not condemnation, that's an invitation to reprioritize. God, we thank you that you know exactly where we stand. You know our priorities. You know our value systems. You know our challenges. You know our comfort zones. And so right now, Jesus, we just invite you. We ask you to stabilize us. God, to strengthen and fortify the areas that we can't even imagine improving By the power of your spirit, you can do that tonight. Because you can open our eyes and how to lean into you and how to invite you. Jesus, would you increase our dependency? If you're in this room right now and you, I started with point one on salvation. And maybe you're in here and you don't know who the Lord is. So you feel like none of these other things could possibly apply to you. We want to invite you and extend the invitation of knowing the person who is in control, who loves you and is so merciful towards you. And so in order for you to start your journey, there's just a simple prayer that you can pray. And I won't ask you to raise your hand or come forward. But if you guys would just repeat this prayer with me. Jesus, we invite you into our hearts fully. We admit that we need you. We thank you for sending your son as the ultimate sacrifice so that we can walk in confidence, in victory, 
and serve you all the days of our life. That we would learn the ultimate sacrifice of laying ourselves down. We invite you, Jesus. To be honest with you, I am totally just listening right now to the Holy Spirit. Um, I feel like he's saying right now that there are people in this room, when I said sing, fighting for your victory before you see it, that you feel like you've lost your voice. And so if you're in this room and you feel like you've lost your voice and you don't have power or strength or volume or like nobody wants to hear you or like things have been stolen from you, God wants to restore that completely. Something that's so powerful, even as we read this story, what I love about the Lord, it talks about singing and shouting and praising Even if that was a whisper, or if no sound came out, again, because that was the posture of their heart, that's what he identifies as the posture of our heart. And so if that's you tonight, that you're, you feel like you've lost your voice, he wants to come in and strengthen you, give you that back. Would you choose to simply say, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever? because he's the restorer of all things. He is faithful. I also feel like there are people in here where when I talked about staying, um, maybe you feel like you prematurely left a situation. And God will always give us time and time and time and time and time again to be able to learn something, to walk in something. So you have not missed your opportunity. Again, he's the restorer of all things. He brings all things to pass. And if you posture your heart before him to walk those things out, he's going to give you an opportunity to actually walk in the thing that he called you to walk in. And so somebody needs to hear that tonight. Pastor Rob said this in our teaching team meeting. He said, sometimes we think that we have to have a powerful reaction to everything. So as I'm reading these, I'm saying, start, stoop, sing, stay, stabilize. And you're like, great, they all start with an S. That's awesome. But it sounds like something that's maybe powerful or even it sounds like something that is contained, right? We know that it's something that's incredibly intentional. But Rob continued to say, we feel that we have to have a powerful reaction, but it just isn't true. God knows your maturity. He knows where you're at, and you don't have to pretend to be somewhere that you're not. God is not afraid of where you are at in your process, and we have so many opportunities to encounter him, for him to refine us, like I said, I promise you, you will be disrupted over and over and over again. And thank you, Jesus, that we will, because heaven is invading earth. 
Heaven is disrupting earth. These broken patterns, these patterns of dysfunction, we cry out that heaven would disrupt earth and invade through each and every life in this room and imagine what is to come on the other side of that. He is powerful, he is faithful, and he will see it through. So God's purpose in the midst of disruption is simply to diminish any distance that lies between you and him. Are you comfortable with letting go of that barrier and of those things that were maybe a buffer, maybe comfortable? But we posture our hearts so that that would diminish that we would know him more, and that we would become more like him. So Jesus, we thank you. God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you speak to each and every one of us, and that like Pastor Rob said, God, I thank you that you meet us right where we are at. You know our maturity. You know our strengths and our weaknesses. And you use both of those for your glory to advance your kingdom. And so we ask for opportunities just to posture ourselves before you. In disruption and for disruption, we invite you to disrupt our lives in order to increase our dependency and to further your kingdom. And we ask for more opportunity to do that, Lord. We thank you so much that you meet us here. You meet us tonight. You meet us in our deepest pit of despair and in our place of greatest victory. It's all yours. It's all for your glory. And you see it all. You know it all. We just want to know you more fully through all of it. We ask you to have your way in our lives. We give you all of the glory. Amen.